1: Welcome to the Gaming Ride Home podcast for Thursday, May 28th. I am Kyle Hilliard. Here's a whole bunch of video game stuff that happened recently. Naughty Dog offers all kinds of new details about The Last of Us Part 2. Microsoft shares just how backwards compatible the Xbox Series X will be. New Marvel's Avenger gameplay will be shown in late June. And a lot of new games came out today. This is the last time we will hear about The Last of Us Part 2 before it releases. Probably. Sony shared a state-of-play presentation yesterday that offered about 12 minutes of details about The Last of Us Part 2 and ended with 8 intense minutes of uninterrupted gameplay. The first part was narrated by Naughty Dog's Vice President and the Director of The Last of Us Part 2 Neil Druckmann, and it opens with a frank discussion about the ending of the first Last of Us from Joel, which I won't detail here, in case you haven't played the first game, and then reveals that it has been several years since those events, and Ellie and Joel are living in Wyoming, leading something close to a normal life that gets interrupted by some mysterious traumatic event that forces Ellie to leave the safety of their camp. Druckmann promises the game will feature many new locations and take place over the course of different seasons. But most of the game apparently takes place in Seattle, which has turned into a war zone, with competing human factions fighting over supplies. We saw Ellie jumping and leaping around the environment, and perhaps most surprising, using ropes to climb and swing across gaps. She's not as fast as Nathan Drake, but it definitely recalled some of the rope-swinging moments from Uncharted 4, We also saw Ellie using a boat to traverse flooded areas, as well as a horse for non-flooded areas, which they have been showing in trailers and screenshots for some time. The presentation also spent time on the monsters of the world, which haven't really been highlighted much since the game was announced. The blind clickers are back. There are recently infected runners that move very quickly, and stalkers stay hidden until you get close to them. We also saw a shambler, a creature that is slow-moving and is overgrown with all kinds of growths all over it, and then when you shoot it, it explodes into clouds of poison gas. You know, fun stuff. In terms of non-monsters, humans are still a major threat, and they have dogs now that can sniff you out, and your scent trail will show up when you go into silent mode. All the NPCs you fight have names, which Naughty Dog has explained before, but hearing all the characters you are fighting against use each other's names is off-putting, and you know, what is clearly an intentional way. It definitely makes the people you're fighting feel way more real. And speaking of people who feel real with names, it looks like there will be lots of times where Ellie doesn't fight alone and has a support character with her, which seems very useful. Ellie was also shown finding a a hunting magazine in, in an abandoned shop, which I guess she read, which she was then able to turn into an experience point to upgrade herself. Weapons can be modified and personalized, there is still plenty of on-the-fly crafting. A lot of gameplay was shown, both in terms of the stuff Druckmann narrated and just the straight interrupted gameplay, which I always enjoy, but very little of the actual story was revealed, which was good. It was the thing I, and I assume most, don't want to know anything about. There was a moment in the gameplay where Ellie snuck up on a character playing a Vita, which was weird, and the internet pieced together that the character was playing Hotline Miami, which, you know, I don't know, it was was kind of distracting, but it was also a fun little call-out. The whole presentation certainly served to make me more excited about The Last of Us Part 2, but the big thing it did was remind me just how absolutely intense that game is. When I remember playing The Last of Us, I think of specific story beats and the ending in particular, but I had forgotten how scary and claustrophobic the moment-to-moment gameplay is. It's brutal and might, you know, it might even be a bit too much right now with everything that's going on. Hopefully there are some moments of levity in there. Fingers crossed. Microsoft shares details about Xbox Series X's backwards compatibility. Jason Ronald, the Director of Program Management for Xbox Series X, shared a blog post this morning all about the Xbox Series X's backwards compatibility, and it makes some pretty exciting promises. Ronald wrote in the post, Backwards-compatible games run natively on the Xbox Series X hardware, running with the full power of the CPU, GPU, and the SSD. No boost mode, no downclocking. The full power of the Xbox Series X for each and every backward-compatible game... This means that all titles run at the peak performance that they were originally designed for, many times even higher performance than the games saw on their original launch platform, resulting in higher and more steady frame rates and rendering at their maximum resolution and visual quality. Backwards-compatible titles also see significant reductions in in in-game load times from the massive leap in performance from our custom NVMe SSD, which powers the Xbox Velocity architecture. Ronald also wrote that there will be a, quote, innovative HDR reconstruction technique which enables the platform to automatically add HDR support to games. As this technique is handled by the platform itself, it allows us to enable HDR with zero impact on the game's performance, and we can also apply it to Xbox 360 and original Xbox titles developed almost 20 years ago, well before the existence of HDR. In addition, the new Quick Resume feature was designed to not only work with new games, but it can also be enabled for backward-compatible titles. Quick Resume enables players to resume exactly where they left off across multiple titles, ensuring gamers can get right back to the fun in an instant. All of these advances happen at the platform level and require no additional work from developers. Ronald also wrote about something called the Hoochie method, spelled H-E-U-T. CHY, so I hope I'm saying it right, that quote, enables titles to render with increased resolutions up to 4K or applying anisotropic filtering to improve the final image quality, bring these classic games up to modern standards better than ever before. And Ronald finally ended the blog post writing that the backwards compatibility team is continuing to add additional features, quote, including the ability to double the frame rate of a select set of titles from 30 fps to 60 fps or 60 fps to 120 fps. This is all good news and makes the Xbox Series X all the more attractive. It's pretty clear that Microsoft is heavily invested in backwards compatibility. They want players to be able to play the games they already own on this new hardware, or be able to buy and play old games without issue, which I really appreciate. We know PlayStation 5 will play some PlayStation 4 games, but that's about all we know. When it comes to buying older games, which I have actually weirdly found myself doing a lot lately, I am already totally leaning Xbox just because I know I will be able to continue to play those games moving forward. I've been playing Final Fantasy 13 and Resident Evil Code Veronica X on Xbox One, and when I went to buy those, it didn't even occur to me to check if they were available to buy and play on PlayStation 4 because I was confident that I would be able to play them whenever I'm able to upgrade to an Xbox Series X. I really hope that that confidence is not unfounded. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash wondery. Marvel Avengers is holding a War Table stream, whatever that is, on June 24th. The upcoming Avengers game has sort of been quietly trucking along while, you know, the video game hype lasers have all been pointed on games like Final Fantasy VII Remake, Last of Us Part II, Ghosts of Tsushima, and, you know, the next-gen consoles. But the game is still on track for a September release, and on June 24th, there will be a War Table stream, which will share new gameplay and co-op. It feels weirdly far out to be building excitement for the stream, but in the face of summer's increasingly dense calendar of announcements, I suppose it doesn't hurt to claim your spot as early as possible. Avengers is one of those games that I'm just—I'm not super excited about, but I bet when it comes out and we all have a chance to actually play it, I think we'll all really enjoy it. Developer Crystal Dynamics is really good at what they do. Here's what released today. It's a surprisingly dense Thursday. Shantae and the Seven Sirens is out today on Switch, PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. It's a game that had a weird release cadence last year. It came out in multiple parts on iOS platforms and Mac OS, but now it's out in full today on the platforms I just listed. Developer WayForward is known predominantly for its impressive 2D animation and adapting various properties like DuckTales, for example, but the Shantae series is its own property. And all the games in the series are are solid platformers. I played and reviewed the last Shantae game for Game Informer, half-genie hero, and I enjoyed it. Bug Fables, the Everlasting Sapling is out today on Switch, PlayStation 4, and Xbox One. It's an RPG that looks heavily inspired by Paper Mario. The characters are flat, Like, you know, in Paper Mario, and the combat looks very similar, requiring timed button presses in the middle of turn based combat. It's been out on Steam for some time, but it is out today on consoles. Those Who Remain, which is a compelling title, is out today on Steam and Xbox One after having released on PlayStation 4 recently. It's a first person psychological horror game, looks a little Silent Hilly as you explore Dormont, which is, quote, a town in a spiraling split from the fabric of reality warped by darkness and the deeds of the citizens who reside. It looks spooky. Fly, Punch, Boom! with an exclamation point is out today on Steam and Switch. It's a 2D fighting game that tries to emulate absurd, over-the-top anime fights with players flying around maps and engaging in crazy fisticuffs. It's developed by a studio called Jolly Punch which is a good name for a developer. Umihara Kawase Fresh and Bazooka are both out today on PC by way of Steam. The former, Fresh, is a platformer about a young sushi chef who collects fish and explores using a rope. And the latter, Bazooka, looks like a competitive multiplayer platformer that uses the characters from the Umihara Kawase series. This is not a series I'm familiar with, but it seems like it has been around since the mid-90s. Wikipedia says that Bazooka, the multiplayer platform, is out today on Switch and PlayStation 4 as well, but I had trouble confirming that. As far as I know, the games are only on PC for the moment. It's also worth noting that even though it looks like you can buy the games on Steam in North America, they are only playable in Japanese, so you know, that's a weird thing. Dungeon Defenders Awakened is a co-op tower defense game that has been in early access for some time, but it enters version 1.0 today on Steam and is planned for consoles at some point in the future. It looks a little reminiscent of Orcs Must Die in that it's a third-person game where you're defending a fort against hordes of enemies who happen to look a lot like orcs, and you're setting traps alongside up to three partners. It has a lot of reviews on Steam, and it is currently sitting at a mostly positive rating, which is a good sign. It's definitely one to keep an eye on. Let's Sing 2020 is out today on PlayStation 4, Nintendo Switch, and Xbox One. It's a karaoke game that lets you use your phone as a microphone, which is pretty clever. It feels a bit like a Just Dance game, where I could see it kind of sneakily being this quiet juggernaut that is way more popular than we realize It's not a game I have ever played, but I could see my family getting into it. PolyBridge 2 is out today on Steam and Epic Games Store, which is kind of rare to see a game release on both day and day. It's a game all about experimenting with physics and building bridges, and it's one that became kind of a streaming sensation on Twitch. The sequel adds interesting Twitch integration where viewers can actively help you build bridges, which is a cool idea. Sludge Life, released today on Epic Games Store, and it's actually free and will remain free for a year. It's a first-person open-world vandalism game where you explore a city as a tagger named Ghost and tag things. It's a weird premise, and it's got an interesting look. Definitely some jet-grind radio inspiration happening there, both in terms of gameplay and stylistic visuals. I am curious to check it out, and yeah, you can't argue with that price tag. It is also coming to Switch at some point, but I'm not sure when. Here's an actual direct quote from publisher Devolver Digital's press release. The game's Nintendo Switch version will follow at a later date, but first Devolver Digital will send more tweets about buttholes. I don't know what that means, but it might be a hint about the Switch version's release date that I just don't understand. Also, on the free things on the Epic Games Store front, Borderlands, the handsome collection, which gathers Borderlands 2 and Borderlands the pre-sequel into one package, is free right now and will remain free until June 4th. So you've got some time to log in and grab it, which you should, because they're cool games. Also announced today, Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, the re-release of the formerly exclusive GameCube co-op Final Fantasy game, is releasing on Switch, PlayStation 4, and mobile devices on August 27th. That's it for gaming news today. It is a weirdly dense week for game releases. There is some stuff coming out tomorrow that I'm excited about too, which we can talk about then. I haven't played Final Fantasy XIII much over the last few days, which kind of bums me out. I am also very close to being past the point I got to when I originally played the game, and I'm just now starting to get into the story. Up until this point, I have just been enjoying the combat. Hopefully, I will be able to get back to it soon. If you have corrections or just feedback in general, feel free to send me tweets or DMs to either at Kyle M. Hilliard or at GamingRideHome, or you can send an email to kyle at ridehome.info. And please consider leaving a review for the podcast wherever you listen to it. You can also check out my Twitch account, Kyle Impersonator, where I'm playing through Resident Evil, code Veronica X right now. And you can find me on the MinMax Show for more long-form video game discussion. I will talk to you more about video games tomorrow.